This is Liz. And this is Sharon. And you're listening to Unrefined She. The well-being podcast for women like you who want to explore your health, claim your space, question norms, and live your best lives. Hosted weekly by entrepreneurs and women's health experts, Liz Winters and Sharon Bailey. As always, please keep in mind that the information shared on this podcast is for general purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. And now, let's dive in. Hey there, she's Sharon here. Before we dive into the episode today, I wanted to just jump on here and give you a little insight into this interview and also share with you some information about our guest today. Today, Liz and I had the honor and privilege of interviewing Dr. Laurel Prue, who is a colleague and dear friend of ours. It was our first joint interview, and we learned a lot in how to do that, which was super fun. And we also learned so much from Laurel. So I know you're going to love this interview. I know you're going to learn so much from her, but I just want to tell you a little bit about Laurel before we dive in. So Laurel Prue is a doctor of physical therapy and an orthopedic certified specialist who has advanced training and experience in women's health and pelvic health physical therapy care. And she is a PhD candidate studying pelvic pain. Her professional experience has taken her from working with high-level athletes, helping moms get back to feeling like themselves, and she carries out research with the Department of Defense to improve diagnosis and treatment of pelvic pain within the active duty population. She also has a vested interest in improving overall awareness and health literacy of women's issues for her patients, other physical therapists, and all health professionals. She has recently created Postpartum Connect, a program to help new parents connect the dots from birth to running and jumping with everything from the first poop to returning to sex and all things in between. One of the gifts that Laurel is going to give us today, besides a wealth of information, is 25% off her Postpartum Connect program. So, If you listen to this episode and her Postpartum Connect program sounds like something you need in your life, which if you've had a child, chances are it's a good fit for you, then head over to our show notes and grab the link and uh, get 25% off her new amazing program, Postpartum Connect. And without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Laurel Prue and this episode today. I hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Laurel, welcome Thanks. to the show. Laurel, thank you. Um, yeah. Great. So yes, I am a pelvic health physical therapist. I also, I love treating prenatal postpartum folks and kind of built an online education platform called Fem Unfolding. Um, to do that, to offer an educational resource and to talk about things that I feel like nobody really talks about um, that shouldn't have to be Googled. I know, Liz, you feel the same way about so much. 100. Peripartum <laughs> space is like, why the hell are we having to Google things about our own body that no one talks about? And then I'm also a researcher and clinician, and my research is all focused around chronic pelvic pain. So kind of a different subject, but it all intertwines and it's all stuff that I feel like we should talk about more. Um, And yeah, that's kind of me. 
and you guys can really, this could go 500 different ways as far as the pelvic floor is, is concerned. So I'm here for it. I'm super excited. And I mean, like Sharon mentioned before, like we all know each other, we met each other through Beauty Counter, but I think we all kind of bonded because we work in some capacity in the birth world and we're passionate about women's reproductive health. And like Laurel helped me through my last pregnancy so much with pelvic pain. And I love that you're doing your research on pelvic pain because it's something that, you know, we often just accept as normal rather than and something you just have to live with, um, especially as birthing people. And it's just really right. not the case at all. So I'm right. really excited for you to share your wisdom with our listeners today. Yeah, I'm excited too. And you all should know that Liz also helped me out and was a primary um, model demonstrator in my <laughs> postpartum program called Postpartum right. Connect. And we were supposed to have three volunteers. One ended up getting sick. So Liz, like cowboyed up and did two segments so it was like 150 different exercise demonstrations and she didn't tell me until we were done that she was pregnant she was in her first trimester (laughs) pregnancy was popping ginger chews was like i felt so terrible after i was like didn't say anything she was a champ she did so many great things it's really kind of fun to look at those like videos. It's like, oh, it's me. And it's like, and there's my 10 week baby bump. Look at that little yep. thing. Yep. <laughs> it, was it, was awesome. of, it was a lot of fun. I feel like I learned so much in that. And like, so I, we're going to talk about your program today for sure. But I mean, even just in helping with those demo exercises, I learned so much about my own body, but also it help, has helped me coach my own clients just in ways that I'm talking about the core and breath and that whole connection. So man, that makes me so happy. That's awesome. It was awesome. I'm just over here smiling because of (laughs) course you didn't tell her you were pregnant. (laughs) It didn't seem relevant at the moment. As I was like, push through only 50 more exercises to go. (laughs) Like dry heaving in the background. That's fine. Sorry if I'm a little (laughs) nauseous. Don't worry about it. It's the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I love this so much. (laughs) We we like to start off our episodes with a little segment called What's Cooking in Your Kitchen. And um, we're hoping you'll you'll share with us, too. But I'm going to make Sharon go first. Sharon, what's cooking in your kitchen? My husband and I are sleeping in separate rooms, and it's been one of the best things we've ever done for our marriage. Yay. Yay. Yes. It's okay (laughs) to not sleep in the same bed with your partner all the time. (laughs) Um, We just have different needs when it comes to sleeping. Like he loves to cuddle and I do not want to be touched until I'm awake. And, uh, it led to some issues. So we, he was just like, I'm going to go sleep in the other room. And I was like, great. And now it's like, things have become so much better. It's like, I want him to touch me. I want to hug him, you know, like we want to spend more time together. It's so wonderful. So anyway, that's what's going on in my life. Separate rooms, but a much stronger marriage. I love that. Do you think that like the separate rooms, do you think a lot of this like shift in relationship is because, and I don't remember what you were doing pre-quarantine, is because you're spending so much more time together? Are you spending more time together than you were pre-COVID? Yes. PC, if you will. Less time in the last few months than before. But yeah, overall, we both pretty much work out of the home 
and we're just home together a lot. And then in the evening, by the time the evening rolls around, it's like, well, what do we do now? Like watch a movie? I don't know. Not, you know, hang out, but not really hang out. And then it's like, okay, now let's go to bed and we're still going to be around each other. And, you know, he, he moved out. <laughs> he moved out. I like saying that. It's kind of fun. He moved into his own room. <laughs> this oh, gives me so much anxiety. I have to tell you. Really? How come? Yeah, it totally does. It doesn't matter. That's like, it's, it's working for you. So that's what matters. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, yeah, anyway, so he moved into his own room and I like rearranged our room and it was like, Ooh, now it's like my spot, you know? And right. he's like fixing up the other room and it's his spot. I mean, that's going to be our guest room. He, sometimes he just wants to fall asleep on the couch. Like it was a joint decision and it was a decision made like not out of anger toward each other, mm. but like, let's try this out and see how it affects our relationship and see if it's a solution to a current problem that we have. And it currently is, but it's not like forever. No, it's just well, like, nothing is, right? I mean, of course, not. <laughs> especially in relationships. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, okay, he, why don't you have some solo time? He's such an introvert too, that I think just having me around all the time and not exactly in the capacity that he wanted was starting to stress him out and vice versa. So sure. It's been an interesting turn of events lately. <laughs> That's so curious. I'm also not sleeping in the same room as my husband, but not for those reasons, mm. but because mm-hmm. of children. So children. children. Yeah, we'll do that. Children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. When Fox was a baby and we were co-sleeping for the first year, it was like, how does this tiny little person create such a giant void? It was like Ryan felt like he was so far away. Right. Yeah. Damn it. Children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we love them. (laughs) And we love them. (laughs) What about you, Liz? What's cooking in your kitchen this week? Well, we are ordering cabinets today for our new kitchen. And that is my big exciting news. Um, We are in the house. Well, I'll say we're in the house. We're in the house. Sure. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) we picked out our cabinets and we are managing the kitchen project all ourselves, which we have done before. We remodeled the kitchen at our old house and we started that process on our honeymoon. So, like, that's how we party. Um, this is Post our idea Disney of a World, good time. Right? We went, so we went, this was my honeymoon. We flew to San Diego to clean out Shane's dad's house. And then went to Disneyland for a few days. And then came home and tore apart our kitchen. And that is an accurate representation of our marriage. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Awesome. It's lots of kitchen stuff. I mean, that's that's going to be my, like, focus and making my house, you know, livable and, you know, burning lots of sage in it to get the vibes better. <laughs> Whatever other that weird I things I can do. Is the title of your memoir. It's lots of kitchen stuff. It's lots of kitchen stuff. I think that's perfect. That Actually, that's really good. Yeah. It's lots of kitchen stuff and some other shit. A subtitle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Laurel, what's cooking in your kitchen these days? Uh, we are actually cooking more for the first time in a long time. So we were in kind of like months of transition moving as Liz is kind of going through right now. So we are just getting to the space of like, our weekly food prep like we were used to doing and it feels really lovely to be back in a routine we also we are new to the neighborhood that we're currently in for like maybe two months 
and we found a little micro farm when we first moved here. But of course it was like end of the season, like end of August and September. So we got, you know, a few good weeks of that. And we were basically just like cooking based on what we got for the week, which is always fun. But now that that's over, we're kind of back to our, like, I know you probably have mentioned on here before the cook once eat all week cookbook. Oh yeah. And so we're back to using that because my husband and I definitely like whoever has less to do in that evening is the one that's putting dinner together. And so it's really easy to be like, we're on, we're on week 29 and we can just kind of go from there instead of feeling like one person is solely responsible for food prep and cooking. So the fun thing that's been cooking in my kitchen has not been cooking at all. It's um, we live right next to this delicious gluten-free bakery and it's always exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's one block away. And after living in Germany where there's nothing gluten-free, I go multiple times a week at 2 p.m. They close at 3 and I need a 2 p.m. treat. And it's my like one time to get out of the house. They now know me. And it's (laughs) great. I'm always like a to-go, one treat situation. I'm not sitting down. I'm not getting a meal. It's like a chocolate chip cookie. I'll take the laurel. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I'm not there yet because I haven't decided what the laurel is going to be. There are so many options, but it's been delightful. Do you have a and favorite gluten-free treat when you're like, oh man, if I can get that gluten-free, I'm very excited. Cinnamon roll. Oh, yeah. oh I hear you on that. Mm-hmm. I love cinnamon rolls so hard. And <laughs> they're, they're hard to make good gluten-free because you want like a gooey, chewy thing. Oh, and yeah. that is gluten that's what it does so it's difficult okay important Uh, follow-up question are you an icing or a cream cheese frosting person Mm, cream cheese frosting okay see this Mm -hmm. is why we're friends Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. because i want enough that i can take the stuff that's around the outside the outside rings of the cinnamon roll that are a little harder they're not Mm. not the best part of the cinnamon roll but if you can tear it off and dip it in the top of the cream cheese frosting then it becomes almost equivalent, equally as good as the inside of the cinnamon roll. Yes. Yeah. The core of the cinnamon roll is one of the greatest things on earth. There's nothing better. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see. And I don't understand monsters that eat the cinnamon roll, like, from the outside, like just a bite from the outside in. No, what? (laughs) You tear that shit apart. Thank you. Layer by layer. (laughs) It's a deconstruction. Yeah. There Correct. was a process. Was Do made, not ruin it. Thank you. It was made in oh. a concentric rings for a reason, and they're to be utilized that way. Can you switch your dissertation to something around the correct way to eat a cinnamon roll? Sure can. Perfect. And the first case study is my house uh, because my right. husband is the monster <gasps> that eats it from the outside in. Okay, so are you guys sleeping in separate rooms now? Not because of the cinnamon roll. No, I'm joking. <laughs> But he does. I've let. I've released the shame that first came with him opening the trash can when he got home from work and being like, "What'd you get from Billy's today?" Which is the gluten-free bakery. And now I'm just like, "Let me tell you something." And I gloat about what I got. I pridefully say what I the treat that I had, rather than being like, eh, "It's good. It was fine. It was only five dollars. It's fine. Five dollar <laughs> cookie. It's fine. Fine. A lot of chocolate chips in there." He's not like, where's mine? Well, that happens on Saturdays and Sundays when 
we're both working from home and I'm like, I'm going to go get a treat. Would you like something? And then there's an expectation and I'm, mm-hmm. I will do that. But during the week, he's gone when I make these treat runs. Gotcha. So, My boss. husband would still ask. He would just be like, what, what, where's mine? It would sound exactly like that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he likes to be like, I could have made that. And I'm like, but were you going But you to? didn't. No. <laughs> Get started. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we should take a second and hear from our sponsor. Bradley, this is where you put the ad. <laughs> hey there, listeners. Sharon here. This week's episode is brought to you by our friends at Rockin' Roots Farm. If you have listened to any episode with me, you know how much I love CBD. I literally put it on everything. I am that CBD mom. I have also seen CBD help so many of my clients with pain, anxiety, period cramps, and even mild depression. Liz and I personally use CBD in our daily lives, and that is why we are honored and excited to have Rockin' Roots Farm sponsor Unrefined She. Rockin' Roots is a family-run farm and herbal medicine brand. John and Candace, the farmers and product makers at Rockin' Roots, pride themselves on using regenerative agriculture while growing beyond organic hemp and vegetables. They are deeply invested in supporting their community through education programs on the farm and pay-what-you-can vegetable stands during growing season, all while creating affordable CBD and herbal products. Looking for a sustainable gift this holiday season? Spread a little CBD love! Liz and I are giving CBD to clients, family, and friends this year because it really is the perfect gift for just about anyone, with price points to fit all budgets. We love Rockin' Roots, and we know you will too. Shop their CBD and herbal product lines at www.rockinrootsfarm.com. That's rock, the letter N, rootsfarm.com. And select Unrefined She from the drop-down menu as your affiliate at checkout. Okay, Laurel, I, I want to dive in with a topic you and I were discussing earlier. Um, and it's going to kind of frame this whole conversation because I think it's so pertinent to um, what we're going to talk about today and the work that you do. So can you tell us a little bit about identity loss and hopelessness that you see when working with your clients and how that affects the work that you do? Basically, I was telling Sharon that I think a big part of what we don't talk about when we talk about helping people recover from birth or recover from pain, recovering from an injury at all is kind of the hopelessness that's Mm. there and the identity loss that's there when people are going through any sort of like physical transformation, because so much of our identity is wrapped up what are wrapped up in what our physical bodies can perform. Um, Myself included. This Mm -hmm. is a total journey that I've gone on with myself in therapy currently. Hi, party of one about this exact topic. Um, but also what I take from the research that I like the data that I'm getting and how to, how to clinically adapt it. And so, you know, when I see people, especially in chronic pain, chronic issues of incontinence, chronic issues of prolapse or abdominal separation, where they've stopped doing what they love, they come in just absolutely hopeless. And I think just sharing a little bit of education, um, giving a few modifications that seem so like 
low hanging fruit for me, right? It's stuff that I'm going to share on the first visit to just make these simple modifications. It's not hands-on care at all, gives so much hope back to people. And so I think that I get so fired up about pelvic health because to me, it really can be life-changing by just people knowing that there are resources out there. And oftentimes people are just looking for a plan or a guide or a person to guide them and it gives them hope. So yeah, that's kind of what I was, I was sharing with you today that I would, I would like to talk about more. I think that's so brilliant because you're, you're absolutely right. There is this identity loss and you get stuck in this, well, shit, is this my new normal? This isn't what I signed up for. This is not, and, and I feel like that's a big aggravator for postpartum depression and anxiety and, and so much of the BS that postpartum people have to work through can be alleviated by having a support system. But I, I honestly, Laurel, I didn't know. And like, I work in this world, right? I didn't know what a pelvic floor PT or pelvic, somebody who worked in pelvic health, I didn't know that existed until I was in my second pregnancy. Like I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, physical therapists just historically are really crap marketers. Like <laughs> we are, <laughs> we are so caught up in the why of the body and mm-hmm. the helping and the clinical aspect and refining our skills and all the continuing education that no one knows what the heck we do. Right. And so <laughs> I think that it's so, it's such a shame. And I think that we're getting better at being business people and being marketers. Hopefully that will help more people. Um, but I think you're right. And I, I kind of use like a pendulum to describe how people in pain or postpartum are either on the end of they're so aware of their deficits or their impairments or their pain that they're afraid to do anything. Mm-hmm. They get frozen and they don't make any steps forward. And they kind of live in that space of like taking on the new identity of someone that I have incontinence, so I can't jump. I have prolapse, so it's going to hurt when I have sex. Like all of it, you know, I have this, so I can't this, or on the other end of the pendulum, totally in denial that anything has happened to their bodies and press forward because that identity, their previous identity is not going to be taken away from them Yeah, and end up making their symptoms worse. And kind of in this cycle of ignoring, pushing through, making it worse over and over again until they're fed up and can't do it and can't do it anymore. And so I hope that like early intervention or just like early awareness, even a lot of times it's not intervention, it's prevention of somewhere in the middle of respecting what has happened to our body, knowledge of maybe some quote unquote impairments or just changes that have happened to your body can help you rehabilitate and progress from there rather than swinging through these, this pendulum and like freezing or just like pushing through and making something worse that doesn't have to be like, that doesn't have to be the way that you end up post-birth. Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like I see that all the time too, is where like denial, especially, I feel like I, I wouldn't say it's more dangerous than the other. And they're, they're, they're both dangerous for different reasons, but exactly. it's, you know, we talk about, you don't want to get your body back, right? Because your body has changed and morphed, but it's really okay if you want to, right? It's it's really more about like getting your identity back. And so how can we do that safely and in a supported way? And it just, it takes right. time, right? It's time and like realistic expectations. Sure. Because I think the like 
again, it's a pendulum, like the anti-body back movement. Mm -hmm. Like, no, we don't want all of this messaging that's just about like, lose the mummy tummy and have a six pack and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we also don't want to like take away someone's power to be like, am I going to be able to run again, lift weights, hike a mountain that I want to like go on that vacation, have sex with my husband, like uh, all these things. And I think a realistic timeline education and realistic, like, yes, you have this, but here's what we know about that. Like, Mm -hmm. here's, here's the information I can share with you, um, rather than a label and not to like highlight one profession, but I think that due to decreased access to time and resources, OB-GYNs get put in the position of like a 15 minute, six week checkup. And often that's when someone hears, or maybe not too, that, oh, you have a prolapse. And that's like all that's said. And then they move on. And someone goes home and Googles and goes down the hole of like, what is a prolapse? What does that mean? Pictures, images, surgery videos. Like it's always everything that you don't want. So I guess my big take home is know that the changes that happen during birth and postpartum have a realistic timeline based on your genetics, your hormones, your goals, your previous level of activity. And what we know based on evidence gives us a rough outline, but your individual body is going to be different than everyone else's. And so really adding a pelvic health PT to your care team can just put so much at ease. Like it just kind of takes a lot of worry off of your back. I think. Oh my gosh. Mm. Absolutely. I want to go back to something you said about, um, Mm -hmm. like the, the body back. I, it it dawned on me that, you know, we talk about this like anti-body back movement and I would most likely put myself in that. Like, I'm like, you don't have to do this. Like, let's, let's stop telling Mm -hmm. people to get rid of that mummy tummy. But what you also said is like, it comes with getting your body back is, you know, no more pain with sex, being able to run, jump, do things with your body. And I think, on the provider side, we do such a disservice to people when we dismiss or put down this desire to get your body back because we're summing it up to like, it's just about aesthetics. It's just about getting into jeans again, but really like getting your body back can be about enjoying sex again, it can be about feeling strong and powerful and capable. And I don't know, that just, that really like struck a chord with me. So I thought I would. No, I think completely. And also, there's nothing wrong with having aesthetic goals. Right. Like, can right. we yeah. say that too? Like, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with having aesthetic goals. I think that it comes with the unrealistic expectations of when that's going to happen and at what cost mm-hmm. you're putting like your health for those aesthetic goals. And so again, it's just a conversation and changing the messaging. And I think that <laughs> I'm in such a bubble that I forget some of the messages that people are getting on their Instagram and through email and through commercials that I'm like, wait, what people really think this people really are trying for this. Um, so if anyone out there is thinking that you are not doing enough right now at six weeks, 12 weeks, six months, two years postpartum, like there are so many layers of life changes and transitions at this point that it's up to you what your priority is. And so even if a healthcare provider has some great things to say to you with the right messaging, 
it's also through the lens of like, do you care right now? <laughs> yeah. Is this the priority? And, right. <laughs> right. And that's okay to say no. Right. It's okay right. to, to say no and be like, I would just like to sleep first. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Also very important. What a good Let's place to start. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Can, can I back us up a little bit here? Because while I now understand what a pelvic health PT is, I assume that a lot of people don't know. So can you kind of walk us through what that is, what they add to your care team? And I know like they all you all work differently. Like you are not a monolith, Ooh. but yeah, just give us no, a little foundational it, introduction here. Absolutely. So any physical therapist now um, has a doctorate level of education. And so is a DPT. You'll see that some, some physical therapists go by doctor, some don't. It's a cultural difference. And we're all trained to be general practitioners when we graduate from physical therapy school. Oftentimes, then once you graduate, you specialize just like physicians. So I have my orthopedic certified specialist. Um, There's a neuromuscular sports, women's health. They should be changing it to pelvic health soon to be more gender inclusive. But right now it's still women's health, Um, pediatric, geriatric. And so you can kind of go down that road of more education through residency, testing to get those letters behind your name, or you can just, <laughs> or you can just kind of choose to practice in an area for a long time, become really good at it, but you won't get the letters behind your name. Um, so a pelvic health specialist is anyone who's had training in looking at the muscles, nerves, organs of the pelvis. So uh, the pelvic floor muscles are kind of a sling of muscles between both hips and front and back from your pubic bone to your tailbone. And they help support our uterus if you have one, bladder, colon. They help with urinary incontinence, bowel function, sex, and also lymphatic system. And they also help support our core for athletic movement. Um, So a pelvic health specialist, I tell everyone they should be looking nipples to knees. They shouldn't (laughs) just be looking at your vagina or your rectum. But don't be confused when you do show up to a pelvic health appointment. We do, a pelvic health specialist should, I say this because some orthopedic uh, physical therapists are calling themselves pelvic floor PTs, but they don't have the training to, to do an internal muscular assessment. There is no professional designation for the term pelvic health PT. So in my opinion, and a lot of others, they should have advanced training in looking at the pelvic floor muscles themselves, which is an intervaginal assessment or an interrectal assessment if you don't have a vagina, similar to a gynecologist, a lot less intrusive than the gynecologist. <laughs> so instead of, so don't be shocked when you show up to your appointment and they ask you about it, kind of ask for your consent. That should also be a part of your visit um, is talking and giving options. It's never assumed that that's a part of your initial evaluation. And it's a one lubricated gloved finger assessment of the muscles that we're looking for strength, coordination, pain, tenderness. We're looking at the vulvar tissue for any irritation. There's a lot of like dermatologic conditions uh, that can cause pelvic pain as well. And so we're not using a speculum. You're not in stirrups. We're not testing the organs or looking for infection or cancer. We're really looking at the muscular function. It just happens to be that the muscles are accessible internally instead of externally. So that is kind of everything we do. We help people with cancer, with prolapse, pre and postpartum, menopause, 
post-prostate cancer, um, gender um, affirmation surgery, young girls that have never had babies if they're leaking or have pelvic pain, all of the above. Oh, I so. love that. Because we often think about like pelvic floor dysfunction as just being a postpartum person's issue. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, there's, it's something, I'm going to get the number wrong. I wish we had like Monica here from... Um, Dak Shepard. Oh, right. Okay, Monica, but, um, I know you're listening. Can you go ahead and do a little yeah. this up for you us? Can you go ahead and do a little fact check for us? <laughs> Perfect. Um, I think it's something like 35% of collegiate athletes who have not had children have incontinence. Wow. Wow. And so it's a very common, the pelvic floor is a very common area that has impairments that we don't talk about because there's like shame wrapped up in it, or there's this I feel like now that it's become more of something that we talk about, it's excused. Mm. So kind of like in this athletic community, like, did you really deadlift hard enough unless you peed your pants? You know, if you didn't pee your pants and it's like, whoa. So we've normalized now in dysfunction instead of let's normalize the discussion about like, yes, this is something that happens. Why? And how do you get help? Is That's that such a an thing? People are oh, like... Yeah really cough crossfit crossfit cough yes yes <sighs> and just even like in i've learned in the gymnastics community as well it's super common in like young teen girls just because of the repetitive impact mm. um mm. the way in which they use their muscles um and are coached to use their muscles for like maximum aesthetic right it's a very like aesthetically driven sport so it's, uh, the same thing with ballet dancers, anything kind of a, as an aesthetic goal, the way they use their core does lend itself to some pelvic floor dysfunction over time. So like, I really need people to be intervening with this group of people yeah, and yeah. studying that as well. Yeah. Huh. That's um, fascinating. I have a question that, um, so do you have any recommendations for finding a pelvic care provider for people who are survival survivors of sexual trauma? Yes. Very good question. So a lot of good education for PTs right now on trauma-informed care. I mean, there's always kind of been that because we know that the majority of people with chronic pelvic pain have a history of sexual trauma specifically. Um, so that's always been integrated into parts of our education, but specifically there's more coming out on how we provide trauma-informed care. I don't think there's necessarily like a database or anything like that, but I am a big proponent for calling the front desk of whoever you're wanting to go to and asking specific questions. So for trauma-informed care, that's the phrase that you would use. I have an appointment with you coming up. I just want to make sure that the therapist that I'm with feels comfortable with trauma-informed care or with someone who's a victim of trauma. And the PT should be honest enough with themselves to say like, Oh yeah. Or I think actually you would be better with this person and have a resource for you. Mm. The same thing with kind of post some more rare surgeries or things like that. Call, call the front desk and ask like, do you feel comfortable working on someone who is post da, 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 da. gender, gender affirmation, affirmation surgery, for instance, like I know that I support someone through that process and because I've been gone for the last two years in a place where I haven't been able to do hands-on care, I would not be the best fit for that individual. I want someone who's worked with someone multiple times and feels comfortable in that, in that situation. Mm. So 
That's awesome. It's like really being an advocate and a participant in your own care, which is something that we actually talked about recently in a, in an interview with um, Jasmine Katatakarn. So if you haven't listened to that episode, um, she talks about that, like being an active participant in your infertility. And I think that's, it's such a good reminder because we, we just assume, like we assume the best in our providers, but we also assume that they're the expert on our own bodies and, and really we have to be the experts on our bodies and get support where we can. Yeah. And realizing that like, even though to the patient or to the community member, you may think pelvic health PT is like so niche and so mm. specialized, but there's niches with niches. Maybe. I don't know if that's a word <laughs> <laughs> within pelvic health PT. And so someone can be really great at oncology care, you know, post, mm-hmm. uh, cancer surgeries, cancer treatment, radiation, things like that. Someone may be a pelvic pain specialist. Someone may spend all of their time in the prenatal postpartum population, and someone may spend all their time in the transgender population. Pediatric pelvic floor is is a thing. So it's definitely okay to ask questions because everyone's going to have their different specialty. And once you get to a certain level in the profession, your continuing education is choose your own adventure, right? Like people are going to get more educated on whatever they enjoy doing. And so it's definitely okay to ask what their expertise is. It's not questioning them as a person. It's questioning to make sure that you have a right fit as a practitioner. So smart. Um, I'm so curious why, how, how you, so when you, uh, in <laughs> words are hard, I apologize. <laughs> how did you make your way into this specialty? What drew you to this? Yeah. Um, so we had a very good faculty member where I went to PT school. Her, her whole business was this. So I did get introduced um, in school, but you don't get trained in this in school. Um, I wanted to continue on with my education, but I took my first job in an outpatient orthopedic kind of boutique practice, like on paper, the perfect, we offer yoga and massage and acupuncture and ortho PT and all the things But the difficult part of that was they didn't have funding to kind of back my continuing education. I was a new grad and I did not either. Um, But (laughs) I had, (laughs) I did have the experience with a lot of athletes in that arena. Once they felt comfortable with me as their PT, then they were kind of led on like, so will this help if I have pain with sex too? If I'm like Mm. working on their hip or if I'm working on a scar in their abdomen, like, oh, when you press there, like it makes you have to pee really bad. And sometimes I pee at mile 10. Like, I don't think that's bad because I'm able to run 10 miles, but then at 10 miles, I I pee a little. Mm -hmm. And so I started realizing that like so many people had pelvic floor dysfunction and I wasn't equipped to help them, which drives me crazy to like not be able to do the thing that people need me to do. (laughs) And (laughs) hi, Enneagram three. Hi, hello Um, three. Um, and then I had a patient who was in excruciating pelvic pain. She came in like after hours, basically saw her sign, was hoping that someone inside could help her and a highly educated, successful businesswoman who, you know, had all the means and resources and still wasn't finding who she could find to help her. And we kind of helped find someone for her North of San Diego in Los Angeles And through that experience, basically she was my mentor. My patient was my mentor to like Mm -hmm. help me realize what I needed and a longer story. But I, I basically had a dream that I was not doing what I was intended to do. 
where I was and woke up sobbing, like sobbing from the dream. And the next day got an email from a a job offer that was basically like, Hey, we know you're kind of up for moving anywhere. Would you want to do this down in Texas somewhere? I've never wanted to live. And I never wanted to go into research. And I was like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) And so wow. Took the job in, in Texas and that job afforded me the ability to continue on my education and get trained in all this public health stuff. Um, started my PhD in research down there. Like it was just kind of the conduit for all these different avenues that I've wanted to take since then. So it's been good. Yeah. That's incredible. Like what a, what a magical story. I mean, just to have like, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm in awe. I think yeah, that's there's more, yeah, there's more like I was in a, I knew that I wasn't fulfilling what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to, how to get to the next step. Right. And it, even the next step was not even pelvic health and was not even, it just was sometimes you need a year to replenish and it Mm. offered me time to replenish energy finances to be able to like take those big steps next. Um, Uh And so I think that not something I intended to talk about, but I think it's really important to know when um, you have to like step back to let something else enter your, your area. I think that's an important lesson for everyone, right? I mean, (laughs) so much clarity can be found in those opportunities to pause and reflect. Yes. Amazing. Sharon, you look like you got some thoughts. You're just like over there. You're you're like brewing away. <laughs> I well, I'm mulling on so many things that we've just talked about. And <laughs> um I was thinking about this the whole idea way back at the beginning of our conversation, the <laughs> body back. <laughs> yeah. The getting your body back, which for me, like as a as a doula and somebody who's had a child, like there's like you'll never get your body back even with all the things you do and i really like the, changing the messaging around that as a as opposed to like getting getting something that was to come back is not really ever going to happen but if you incorporate this new information that your body has received from all the experience to be able to like utilize that information and then you know move forward like how does that apply in like the work that you do in like with working with your clients and whatnot? Like, how do you help them incorporate the experience of childbirth or being, um, you know, an athlete or actually what's your like primary person that you work with? Is it postpartum folks? Right now it is just because of the online platform lends itself really well to prenatal postpartum. It's easy for new parents who don't want to get out of the house with a newborn. Mm -hmm. It's easy for them to have something to follow along at home. And it's a great kind of mixture of my orthopedic background with my pelvic health background. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was in clinic, I was a magnet for pelvic pain, trauma Mm -hmm. survivors, pelvic pain Mm -hmm. loaded up my, um, schedule. Uh So, (laughs) (laughs) yep. Um, But yeah, I think that that's, it's really important to acknowledge what has happened 
I think that there's a culture, especially of like a new parent culture, a mom's Facebook group culture, a mommy blog culture mm-hmm. of dismissing other people's experiences because you got through yours. Right. And so people writing, for instance, like I'm experiencing this. Does, has anyone else experienced a, you know, pain or prolapse and I'm 10 weeks postpartum and then a slew of people writing, Oh yeah, I had that. Like, it's just going to be that way now. It'll work out. You can still lift just like dismissing, Mm -hmm. going over gaslighting and there it's like parents doing it to each other. And Mm -hmm. so instead of knowing and expecting more for ourselves and then knowing and expecting more for our providers as well. So I find people coming into my office or working with them online and saying like, I know I have this and I know it's really common. So it's not a big deal. And I'm like, let's just talk about it. Like, what are you experiencing? How bad is it? What is it keeping you from doing? Do you want to do that? Like kind of walking through and acknowledging what's actually happened and how it's affecting their day-to-day or what they want their day-to-day to be. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, people are often so deep in the hole that they have not even thought about what they want their day-to-day to to be. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I start and where I come in. And then we build off of those goals. And it's also a game of, oh no, you can, you know, you can lift again or you can swim again or you can do whatever again. And then people think that they can do it again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And And so it's providing hope, but providing realistic expectations and totally different people. Some people you need to encourage and some people you need to like hold the reins and remind that we're also meeting our body through a natural healing process that is time. Right. And so we want to match up kind of the trajectory of our increase in challenge, our progress and movement with the trajectory of natural healing timeline for tissue that we know about. Like those two things kind of need to be parallel as we're working together. And if one supersedes the other, then you're either going to be bored (laughs) or you're going to cause injury. (laughs) And so that's the game that we play with that. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like I was just thinking about, um, you know, like if you, if you break your arm then, and you get it put in a cast and it's like, you will be able to, you know, throw a ball again or whatever, but nobody's going to have this cast on their arm and be like, I'm going to be able to throw exactly how I used to like right now you know, or tomorrow or even a week from now, because I know once I get this cast off, I'm still going to have to do some work to build that strength back to, you know, and it might actually inform how I throw things. And, you know, maybe I was somebody who like I was on a softball league and now I can't do that. And so then that goes back to that whole idea that you were talking about, about like the sadness that comes with this physical transition and how that applies to identity yeah. And it's just so interesting to look at it as like this, this hole, as opposed to just like, I had a baby and now I pee myself when I laugh. You know, there's, right. there's so much more there. So much more there. And you, I don't think that you've looked at my program, but that's literally the analogy that I give in my program no. is the cast. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. too funny. Are you serious? <laughs> literally the analogy <laughs> is I put it on my foot. It's like, and I have to say that the six week checkup is not a clearance. It's when you get your cast off Mm -hmm. and I give that at like the six week checkup is when you get your cast off and you walk out 
of somewhere where you get your cast off and your leg is a little smaller, the muscles are shrunk, you're walking a little funny, you're not going to start sprinting tomorrow. You need to learn how to walk first. You need to put some muscle on. And that's where we're starting at the six-week checkup is, okay, it's time to take your cast off. It's time to start rebuilding. And um, totally, that's such a funny, I was like, yes, you get yes, it. you get <laughs> it. <laughs> so, um, but it is like, that's also why I think individual care is so important. And I know that that's not available to everyone. That's one of the reasons why I made a program where I'm sure Liz made a program is because we can't reach everyone with individual care, mm. but it can be really helpful for those folks who are missing that identity piece because I can program someone's, you know, who's very low function um, without impairments, but to look more like said activity, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can make it look more like CrossFit or I can make it look more like a throwing athlete or look more like a cyclist, even if they're the same level of function with the same impairment. But that is huge for someone feeling like they're getting back, like A, someone's listening to them and gets them. Mm -hmm. And and also being surrounded by like the lingo, the movement, mm -hmm. the environment, all of that is so important. And even I have not had a, a baby, but I've been taken out of my favorite activity or sport and just going to practice feels good. You know, mm -hmm. like just being around individuals or feeling powerful again feels good. So mm -hmm. I feel like it relates back to that emotional connection, right? And like emotions, we, we carry them in our tissues, right? Like when you get stressed, like your pelvic floor muscles tense up. I mean, you can feel it. And so I imagine that there's even a lot of healing that happens just by giving someone that freedom to reconnect with their identity. Just that almost that relaxing piece. Yes, 100%. Mm -hmm. And you bring up a really valid point our pelvic floor responds really automatically to our central nervous system. And so our central nervous system houses our like fight or flight response or our rest and digest. And so the muscles of your pelvic floor respond if there is underlying stress in your body. Fear and anxiety are like the two biggest um, things that can predict chronic pelvic pain hmm. are fear and anxiety. It's not a specific surgery or a specific injury. And so also educating people on that fact can make them notice more in their lives. Like, what am I getting anxious about? What am I afraid of? And we work a ton with people in pain and um, overactive or kind of tighter constricted pelvic floors with slowly introducing the thing that they're afraid of mm. and mm. To, to allow their nervous system to accept that it's safe, that their body is is safe in the environment, that it can relax in the environment. And that's a huge part of treating individuals in pain is that like, we call it graded exposure. We're slowly exposing them to the environment, the action, the movement that is painful. How do you identify that when somebody walks into your office? So like I walk in and I have chronic pelvic pain. How do you decide that it's more emotional than like a physical trauma, though I feel like it's hard to distinguish. The, the two are so intertwined, right? Because central nervous right. system. But how, how do you how do you explore that with a patient? Yeah. So often it's when did this start? 
Okay. And unlike you said, it's often layered. It's not always just when it started, it became this chronic thing, right? Right. There's layers as to why it became chronic. But when did this start? So if it was post-surgery, post-injury, post-fall, lots of fall on tailbone, falls on tailbones, then we start that. Um, (laughs) Or if it's, they had a, they had a tailbone fall 20 years ago, they felt better. And then this chronic pain that's around their tailbone started two years ago. All they can think about is I fell on my tailbone 25 years ago. It has to be this. Well, mm-hmm. I ask like, what happened two years ago? What, what was going on in your life? And if it's, we moved, I changed, I got fired from a job. Um, we lost support for whatever. I got a divorce, you know, like, and then I say, okay. So then I make that connection for them over stress, anxiety, those sorts of things. Obviously, if someone um, comes in and I always ask, and if they have a history of sexual trauma, unwanted sexual relationships, um, physical trauma, emotional trauma, and leave it that like, feel free to, you don't have to tell me everything today, but that this is helpful in putting the pieces together of knowing what the root cause of your pain is. So as we get more comfortable with each other, at any point you feel comfortable, you can share that with me. If today is not the day, that's okay. But these are individuals who physical touch of any kind lights up their pelvic floor, you know, Mm -hmm. touching of a shoulder, touching of a stomach or a thigh, like that's where we start. These are not individuals that, that will be getting an inter, you know, intermuscular assessment. Um, And so very different. If someone is listening, who, who has that situation and is freaked out by the idea of a intervaginal assessment, when you don't want anything touching you know that we understand that too. And we know that that's not appropriate and that's not where you are. And we want to meet you where you're at in that healing process. That's amazing. Um, I, I always, I just, I find it so fascinating how, how those things are so connected in it. And it sounds, it sounds woo, right. To somebody who's like, what do you mean? My emotions are going to impact my pelvic floor health. But, but truly like it, you just think about how you tense up, you know, like, 100 percent and there's now like there's evidence to back it up there's science it's not i always think it's funny when some other specialties they think that pelvic health pts are definitely like the woo pts like oh you guys have like some essential oils going and (laughs) they're gonna breathe for 10 minutes at the start of every session and they're like all this stuff but now there's so much coming out about pain science for chronic pain of any kind, chronic headaches, chronic low back pain, that's so emotionally and stress driven that now I think it's so funny that like the same people are hosting weekend seminars yeah. on pain science. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So oh, okay. now it's real. You're going to make some big bucks teaching everybody else about it. Well, And I'm so curious yeah. how much of that is, how much more we're going to see kind of chronic headaches, chronic pain coming out of this last year, which has been incredibly stressful and traumatic mm-hmm. for people. And seeing like where that's going to manifest in their bodies. Yeah. I mean, in our kind of Instagram hole of pelvic health um, community, (laughs) um, that's been huge, hugely talked about is these resurgences in pain. And when your pelvic floor is overactive, it can also increase your symptoms of incontinence and prolapse. Mm. So people always correlate incontinence and prolapse with pelvic floor weakness or having to do your Kegels or, you know, stuff like that. But really... Yeah, but really, um, a pelvic floor that is tight, overactive, or in spasm 
can cause those symptoms as well. And so connecting the dots for people who are like, I've been doing so well for the last two years and I don't know why this is coming back. And you're like, let's talk about your last six months. Like what's been going on? And then we do look at physically what's going on, but I think validating for individuals as to why something's happening and that it's not all in their head or it's not something they didn't do, like they weren't doing their homework or whatever, and that it's really a cumulative effect of the kind of communal stress we're all going through right now. Just an opportunity to cut people some slack, like give yourself some grace. Oh, 100%. Like, Mm -hmm. especially like the postpartum period is hard enough. And then you add postpartum during a pandemic during, 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 I mean, add any kind of anything there. And it's yeah, incredibly stressful. I was teaching a couple weekends ago for some physical therapy students and we were in pods of 10 because COVID. And so I had my pod and I realized like how stressed they all were. They were all on edge so hard and they had been there for multiple days before I got there. Um, and so I was like writing affirmations on the board in the morning and we were doing deep breathing and we were like having some mindfulness of like getting rooted into our body before the day started. And all the other teachers were giving me so much crap. They were like, Laurel's like the third grade art teacher next door, like (laughs) all kinds of stuff. And there were a couple girls in my group that were like, Oh my God, this is what we needed. This is the best. Like just like craving because they're just like head down trying to Mm -hmm. get everything done. Right. So it's a, yeah, we all need a little bit of just like space and time and, guidance at this point I right. think. you dabbled in the woo as we like to say oh i dabbled in you the dabbled woo, in the yeah. woo. Dabble uh-huh. in the woo. <laughs> um i want to hear more about this amazing program that you have created because i think it's a really amazing tool for people to um yeah work with you and kind of bridge the gap in all of this pelvic care that they need yeah so I created, it's called Postpartum Connect, and it's really meant to connect the dots for someone from birth to athleticism, whatever that means to them. So education about from the fourth trimester, like how to get in and out of bed, how to have your first poo, why pain with sex, you know, why sex may be painful, like all of those things. And then it's a movement program to build your core coordination, pelvic floor coordination to get back to full athletic movement. So it's based on functional movements of, you know, squatting, hinging, pushing, pulling, all of that good stuff. Um, So you kind of get both in one program. I've seen people that, you know, have the incontinence, prolapse, abdominal separation courses from pelvic floor PTs, and then also are doing their like postpartum 12-week strength program from a trainer. And I want it it to all inform each other instead of being separate. And I created it not to take the place of pelvic health PT, but even if someone has access to pelvic health PT, your insurance is off, often covering you until you are like no longer peeing yourself with everyday activities. It's not covering you to get back to the athletic movement that you wanted to do. And so this is really meant to be a bridge. If you, if you have no dysfunction, to keep it that way as you get back to movement, or if you have some dysfunction to be the bridge from pelvic health to working out that doesn't really exist, isn't really covered by insurance. And if people are 
20 years, 10 years postpartum, and they've always just been like sucking up, peeing themselves with jumping rope, they can also start this and kind of rebuild that foundation of core and pelvic floor and still get a workout. So that's, that's the goal with the program. That's amazing. Cause you're really meeting people wherever they may be at in that postpartum experience. And that's incredibly valuable. Yes. Which is why it took me so long to make, but that um, means you put <laughs> so much into it. <laughs> so much into it. So yeah, each uh, week's movement, each week has two strength workouts, um, a core coordination kind of warm up or 10 minute thing that you do five times that week, three to five times that week and mobility specific to that strength. But each strength workout has three levels of difficulty. So you can pick level one if you're newly postpartum, level two if you're newly postpartum but have a history of, of working out, you know, going into. And even if you want to start at level one and progress up to level three, um, my husband is an insane athlete and <laughs> we will do level three together. And because you get to pick your um, weight and things like that, it still kicks his ass. So it can really be whatever you, you want it to be. That's and work on those foundational movements. Yeah. And it sounds like it's like <laughs> relieving some of that stress. And, you know, we were talking when we first started this episode about us like diving into like the Google, like, let me Google all this. And what like a nice opportunity to have one place to go. You're going to get that PT support. I mean, it's not individualistic, but it, but it is to a certain degree. It's, it's this, it's integrative care in a program. Right. And yes. So the goal is that you don't have to Google things. There's no right and wrong list of exercises that people are always Preach. saying you shouldn't do this. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't do this because it causes this. We have to twist. We have to flex our trunk to live life. It's a fact. And if we never learn how to do it effectively without symptoms, then you're going to cause another issue or pain. Like you can't avoid, I would say resilience over avoidance. I want to teach you how to do something in a way that doesn't hurt you or cause you impairments instead of avoiding yes. that. Mm. Um, say it louder whole... for the people in the back. That's brilliant. <laughs> instead of avoidance. Um, so there's a section called how to be your own trainer and that everyone has access to that you learn how, like what your pelvic floor is, how to utilize it, what your core is, how to utilize it, how to pick which level of exercise you're going to do. What am I looking out for? Um, I think I had to change the name of one module that's, that was like, how the hell do I listen to my body? Because that's also what people say all the time. Just listen to your body. Just listen to your body. What does, that, like, mean? What does that mean? What am I listening do I do for? That? I don't even know. <laughs> and so I go through like, this is what we're listening for. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things. So that um, I think a lot of people in the program, this kind of first iteration that I just put out, skipped over that. And then I would get like Voxer texts or Facebook messages because <laughs> there is a Facebook group like, well, how do I know? And I'm like, can I please refer you to the how to be your own trainer section? <laughs> like, that is everything you need to know. Um, but yeah, I, I take pride in that we're offering strategies for people to get back to what they want to do. There is our workouts with, you know, video demos that Liz is a part of. Um, but there's also like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but there's also like, okay, you finish your 12 weeks of workouts and you want to go back to whatever your specific sport is. You have strategies then to know like, Ooh, that felt like this. I know that I can do this instead. Um, you're not just finished like graduating 12 weeks of movement and then like off to the races and 
if something happens, you don't know why. So Mm. yeah, strategies over rules is the idea. I love that so much. I have a, I have a question about, um, yes, (laughs) Sharon, I have a, hi, (laughs) my hands raised. Um, I have a question. So I've just started doing bar, which y'all both know this, but the listeners may not, (laughs) um, a few months back. And I went to go see my new chiropractor who also has a lot of other fields that she works in. And she was helping me with my tailbone. I broke my tailbone. So you were talking about the broken tailbone. That's a a real, real deal. And I told her I was doing bar and she was like, oh, bar is so, (laughs) Laurel has pulled the pelvis out. (laughs) She was literally holding a pelvis in her hand. (laughs) Um, Anyway, and she was like, bar is so great, blah, 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 all this stuff. And, you know, just keep doing it. And I can tell it's making a difference in my recovery with my tailbone injury. Is there um, something that like an exercise style that you would recommend for, you know, the listener out there who's like, okay, how do I support my pelvic floor moving forward? Or how do I know that the exercises I'm doing are supporting where I am right now? Yeah, I think that any style of exercise can support your pelvic floor, but it's knowing um, there are kind of a couple of rules that I tell people that you shouldn't feel when you're exercising. Um, that's pressure, like vaginally or rectally pain, and you shouldn't have to hold your breath. Mm-hmm. You also shouldn't have leakage, uh, urinary incontinence or gas. Even if a big one is like transitioning from down dog coming out of down dog or out of a ha- handstand for people with yoga, there's a lot of, um, releasing of air that happens for <laughs> postpartum women that we is assigned to me that there's some pelvic floor dysfunction. Interesting. So anything like, (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, the queef is big during coming out of a handstand or a down dog plow plow. Yes. (laughs) Sharon's like, I I can tell you, I can tell you. As a yoga Um, teacher, I can tell you. (laughs) That's funny. So any exercise can be a pelvic floor exercise because it truly is a group of muscles that should be supporting us before every movement. It's an automatic responder um, to movement that automatic response changes postpartum or post-surgical. So any kind of disruption of that muscle, that automatic response is, is changed. So whether you are lifting weights or doing bar or doing yoga or hiking or cycling, any strengthening of the hip muscles, cause the hip muscles are kind of overlaying the outside of the pelvis and the pelvic floor is laying on the inside of the pelvis. Hip muscles are going to support the pelvic floor deep breathing and knowing when you exhale, you're activating your deep transverse abdominus, that's going to support your pelvic floor. That can happen with coming out of a deadlift or, you know, as you're hiking and deep breathing, it doesn't have to be a specific movement. I will say that sticking with one modality of movement can cause some issues. It's just overuse, right? Mm -hmm. So variety is the key. If I'm lifting three days a week, then I maybe want to do mobility a couple of days a week or add in some cardio uses different muscles. So I will say with your tailbone pain and bar to also do some stretches like pigeon Mm -hmm. or some internal hip rotation stretches, because bar is a lot of hip external rotation where your toes are out Mm -hmm. and you're toed out. And that's shortening the muscles back here that Mm -hmm. attach into your tailbone. 
Again, the pelvis is out right She's now. The pelvis the is pelvis out. Pelvis We're now just having a lesson for Sharon's tailbone. Um, <laughs> so those hip muscles, though, attach into our tailbone, and so does our pelvic floor. So strengthening the hip muscles is great, but if they're always shortened, it's like only doing bicep curls and never extending your arm. Mm. There's going to be some repercussions with that as well. So we want muscles that are strong, but we want muscles that can also go through their full range of motion, which is why not everyone needs to do Eagles. Yes. Lesson of the day. Awesome. I know Liz was setting us up to like end the episode by asking us about asking you about your program, but I just had to ask this question. I think that's an important question. It's such you a good question. Can, I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and for clarity, it's I do bar and I do yoga. So I I, yeah, I like the, the variety is important. But yeah, I was just very curious. I'm like, maybe there's a thing, you know? <laughs> there is. Uh, yeah, it's breathing is the thing. Uh-huh. Conscious deep breathing is the best pelvic floor exercise there is. Yes. Say that one more time. I'm going to make you say it again. deep breathing is the best (laughs) pelvic floor exercise there is. And the first exercise I give postpartum moms. Absolutely. I want it on a Mm (laughs) t-shirt. We can do that. I like that idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You want a core exercise? Breathe, bitch. (laughs) I feel like it's that um, RuPaul Drag Race song, like, you better breathe, bitch. Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. <sighs> Laurel, I knew you were brilliant, but like it, it just this conversation has been so wonderful and like Aww. it's just been really okay. it's been really helpful. I just I feel like I always have ahas when I'm talking to you and I appreciate you sharing your brilliance with our community and listeners. I yeah. appreciate Isn't the ability the to do it. Mm-hmm. This is so fun and I hope that someone got a little something out of it. I will say if you're looking for a pelvic health PT, the American Physical Therapy Association, um, APTA. You can go to their Academy of Pelvic Health. I know that it's it's all very wordy, um, but that's what show notes are for. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can just Google it, and um, they have a list of pelvic health providers. Um, Herman and Wallace is a continuing education company that also has a list of providers, and then Pelvic Guru is kind of another database that has pelvic health providers. So you have options if nothing is showing up in your space besides like the person that's in your local hospital or something like that. If you want more one-on-one care. Amazing. And if people wanted to work with you or connect with you or get your program, how would they do that? Yeah. So uh, my website is femfemunfolding.com. It stands for functional evidence-based movement. It's not just the gender identity. So I work with anyone with a pelvis. Femunfolding.com fem.unfolding on Instagram. And there is a link to the course um, on my website. Awesome. Well. And I think that actually you all have a special link um, for to put in your show notes for the course That's as well. Right. And a little discount code if you all would like it. Yes. Um, who doesn't want that? Yeah, who doesn't want a discount code? <laughs> Everyone wants a discount um, code. <laughs> FEM25 will get you 25% off any of the Postpartum Connect Dang, girl, that's a hell of a discount. Yeah, just for the holidays and just for you guys. I'm not giving this to everybody. This is not another <laughs> person. <laughs> well, everybody, you know what you're doing today. <laughs> Postpartum Connect makes a great gift. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. 
Yay. Oh, Laurel, thanks so much for being on our show. We just adore you so much. And this conversation has been so fun. I feel like we could just keep going and going. But people are asking us to stop. But people are asking us to stop. Yeah, our families and whatnot. I know. (laughs) Just the baby outside the door. It's fine. I love you guys too. And hopefully next time we'll be in person. Yes. 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 That is going to happen. Just you wait, unrefined (laughs) listeners. That's going to be a hell of a retreat that's going to (laughs) happen. Awesome. Okay, everyone, uh, your homework is to go follow Laurel on Instagram and go check out her program. And yeah, that's the whole thing. (laughs) Bye, everybody. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 